Welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the key drivers and trends in agricultural markets. My name's Olivia Agar. I hope you're all having a great week winding down a bit to a break over Christmas. Though there's no winding down in livestock and grain markets yet, both cattle and lamb are heading towards the end of the year in very strong positions and grain markets have been a bit turbulent over the last week on the back of news that Russia is putting an export tax on cereals. But we have now come to the end of wool sales for 2020, which is now on recess break for a few weeks. So we brought in Andrew Woods, who's been a wool analyst for Mercado since we first began, and is also Director of Independent Commodity Services. So Robert Herman is running the show today and some of the questions that they cover off in today's episode are how the different microns have performed over time, what the prospects are going forward and what sort of impact these wool stockpiles are likely to have in the future. So it's a real pleasure to introduce Andrew as a first time guest on Commodity Conversations and after a thank you to this week's sponsor, we'll get underway. Have you ever had that feeling in your tummy when you haven't eaten all day and it's just rumbling and grumbling? Then you go to the fridge and darn it, there's nothing in it. Well, here's the key to beating the empty fridge blues. Be prepared. Think ahead. What should I have this week? Steak? Lamb? Why not head over to Cleaver's Organics website and check out their range of certified organic beef, lamb and chicken products. Order online for home delivery. What else have they got here? Organic beef jerky? Yeah, I wouldn't mind trying that. Cleaver's Organic Meats come from Aussie farming families. Cleaver's Organics, from families to families. Thanks for sponsoring our podcast this week and don't forget to check them out. Now back to the latest agricultural market trends from the team at Mercado. Thank you, Livia. Uh, You're right, it's a very auspicious occasion for us because um, we're going to be talking to Andrew Woods today and... uh, Woodsy's been with Mercado now since the beginning, and the reason we got him on at the beginning was because we identified that um, why would we try and replicate something that he was far more proficient at and far more across. But I've got to remind Andrew, and welcome Andrew, I've got to remind you that we actually went back almost 30 years ago, back to Adelaide, and I remind you all the time you had a great penchant for finding a good coffee, and I used to tag along and have a coffee, but... Just to kick off, Andrew, I just had a look in 1994 when we were in Adelaide, the 18 micron indicator was about 1,600 cents, the 19 indicator was about 1,400, and the 21s were about 900. So that might be an opening gambit to have a talk about uh, what's happening in the market. Welcome. Thank you, Rob. The the 19 peaked at 1620, I think, on the 19th of September, I think, from 94. It was, a, it was a great rise and then and then went down for 10 bucks for 18 months. Yeah, so that um, <laughs> that's a very cautionary note, isn't it? Because uh, we've, we've dealt with a market or you've followed a market that has been quite volatile. Yeah, true. The 1990s were a different time because of the, the uh, stock stock levels for greasy wool in Australia and in, in other countries. So that was a leftover of the uh, reserve price scheme those high stock levels persisted through to the end of the decade. So when you look at wool prices, you stand back and look at them by decade, you can see the 1990s stand out because merino prices just slump and they slump low. And they slump low in relation to, say, crossbreds and others because all the stocks were focused on and concentrated on merinos. So 
anyone who's been through the 1990s, as uh, someone I know says, we, we're affected by it. We, we, we have our, our, our responses to the market anchored in it because we've, there were so many low points there. Um, but I think it's a different time now. Well, talking about now, um, let's, let's just break it down a little bit because a lot's happened in this last year. And we're not going to go into all the reasons for why the market moved and did everything. But let's just break it down a little bit and look at different categories. So for a start, the crossbreds. I mean, the crossbreds have really had a pretty of a tough year, haven't they? The crossbreds peaked sort of in 20, autumn 2019 and then started to go down. And uh, the broader the crossbred, the more the fall. And the broader the crossbred, so if you're talking, if you're talking crossbred in New Zealand terms, in New Zealandish, uh, we're talking 36 micron, 38 micron. Uh, if you look at those prices, uh, they're dire. I'm not exactly sure why demand is so weak, those categories, but uh, it remains weak and stocks are built because demand's weak. Production's still ticking over and, and production's coming. We, Australia produced a little bit of that stuff, but New Zealand's the big producer. But some of it comes out of South Africa, and a lot of it comes out of that Eurasian continent too, so the stands, and uh, and China. China produces a lot of that sort of material, and because demand's been weak, stocks are built. So there's a heap of it sitting there in stores, and no one knows what to do with it. And so the outlook's not that good for the moment. Back in the 90s, 21 micron was sort of bread and butter wool. Yeah. That changed. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, the 21s have also been affected in the last period. And uh, and it's a lot to do with the season, I think, from reading some of your articles. Yeah, well, it, yes, you're right. So 21s, back in the 1990s, 21s were the average Merino Micron. Now the average Merino Micron's uh, not really 19 Micron now that we've got back out of the drought, got down to 18 and a half last year. So the, the, the 21s are two Microns to the broader side of the average. So they're right, they're... they're they're broad wools, broad merinos from the from a distribution perspective. If you go back to uh, um, the beginning of 2019 or late 2018, the supply of 21 started to fall heavily in Western Australia, and then when you get into 2019, they fell heavily in in Eastern Australia, and that was a function of getting drier, so everything started to fine up. The supply of broad wools falls, and that helped. I think that to a degree that helped extend or, or amplify the price cycle because the broader side of the, the Merino supply was down. It was down 50%. It was down 50% for know, 18 months on a row, nearly on the trot. It's just extraordinary. So you can imagine if you're a, a mill trying to plan ahead and they plan ahead a year or 18 months, and, uh, and you use uh, your estimates of Australian production now and you get down and down 50%, what happens? You got, you've committed, so you buy and push the price up. And then just at the end in 2019, in the early 2019, the, the last little fillip was, uh, was South Africa and, um, uh, and foot and mouth and that just cut the supply a bit more. And now we've swung around. So... Uh, now supply for 21s, because it's on the edge of the distribution, is up 40, 50%, 21, 22s. 23, 24 merinos are up more, but you don't see that in the AWTA numbers because they get masked by uh, crossbred volumes, which are down. Volume's way up on the broad side, and that's just putting pressure on to, for those discounts for 21s versus the finer micron categories. There's a flip side to that, of course, and that is that uh, if the clip was 
being starved of 21 micron wool. It was actually being oversupplied of uh, wool at the other end of the micron spectrum. And uh, so talking about the 17 micron side, and, and we'll come back to the 19s where you mentioned is about where the mid of the clip is now, but the 17s, you know, they suffered under the drought as well, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, so what's happening in the 21s is the reverse is happening on 17s because 17s are two microns finer than the average. So their supply went up and the price premiums uh, for fine wool for the micron are highly correlated to changes in supply. So as the supply rises, it pushes those micron premiums down and squashes them and they got squashed. They had a bit of a reprieve in 2017 and they got squashed again after 2017. And now the reverse is happening. It's, uh, their supply is falling and pushing the premiums up. But one of the funny things that seems to, well, it's not funny, but one of the quirks of the world is that it seems that whenever the supply swings like that, it becomes uh, better seasons and, and uh, so there's less fine wool. It just seems at the same time the supply chain decides it likes fine wool. So you get, you, you get this fashion. And that seems to be happening again. It's just that they've decided they like fine wool. Maybe because it's been cheap and they thought, well, this is good value. And by the time they get around to their planning stages to using it, the season swung, supply is falling, but they're committed. So you've got falling supply, solid to increase demand, and you get this big swing and premiums up. And that's what's happening. So I noticed in your article to, that we published today, or yesterday, sorry, that I noticed in your article that you talked about those final premiums and how they've grown. Does that mean that, can we be a bit adventurous here and say that that premium is going to continue to grow? Because it's of great interest to the industry now. The clip is so much finer, the, the, the average micron's finer, but also there's a lot more wool that fits into that 16, 17, you know, those really fine microns. We're limited by our ability to predict seasons. We can predict wool production about four months in advance because there's a lag between it raining and, and the, what you see in wool. So we've got a reasonable view on production of uh, through to the middle of next year. And beyond that, just depends on what rain does in 2021. So, so yes, uh, the clip will continue to broaden out through to probably Easter, maybe May, maybe June. Just depends on rainfall over the summer. And because it's broadening, that puts pressure down, upward pressure on fine wool premiums and downward pressure on broad wool discounts. So you get these prices spreading apart. So you can sort of go six months out. Then beyond that, it just depends on what happens with the weather. Any tips on how to predict that? Yeah. From all the years. Well, we put our crystal ball away back at uh, back <laughs> March, I think. So that leaves sort of the, the mid of the clip. You know, the vast majority of the clip now sits in that what, 18 and a half to 20 micron range, I suppose. What are the prospects for that? I mean, is, are we going to see, you know, the market in the, the market since September low has done, in my mind, pretty well. What do you think's ahead? Well, we're still in the thrill of COVID, the pandemic to a degree, and you see that with, the, with this next wave going through Europe. We've got the bounce out of September, and I think, yeah, I agree, it was better than just anyone was game to predict. And all the feedback says that was... On, really on the back of domestic Chinese demand. Now the feedback says that the, the supply chain is looking for beyond that and they need, they really looking for and need demand to come out of uh, Europe and North America, Japan, South Korea, those other cold, richer countries for, for next year. So they need uh, commitments for next September. And that 
that's a little bit problematic because those countries were starting to look forward to that and then they got hit by the next this latest wave of COVID. So to a degree, the sort of the fogs of COVID are still there and still blocking it. But you'd have to have a bet to say there's vaccines around so the, the pandemic's going to be better in 2021 than in 2020. And so that would give a chance for demand to start picking up. On the old analogy, we're, we're, we're in a six-cylinder motor and we're missing about three cylinders at the moment. So she's really misfiring. So there's a good chance we'll start to pick up some of those cylinders next year, but not just yet. I mean, it's fair enough to say on the demand side, there is a lot of uncertainty and that's to be expected. But on the supply side, you know, we've got a reasonable handle on sheep numbers. We've got a reasonable season. But we've been building a bit of wool this last year in uh, in stocks. And I know you've been using the twenty mid of 2018 as a benchmark point in time where we assumed there was very little. Firstly, how much stock has been built? How much wool is growers, are growers holding back from what, what would be a normal selling period? And what impact is that likely to have on the future? Well, it, I think 2018 was the low point. If you talk to a few brokers, that, that they sort of agree in terms of the, the wool they're holding. So, and that makes sense after two or three years of strongly rising prices, just sucking any grower stocks out of the system. I think the best way to express this is a percentage of annual production rather than bales, because people, if you talk 100,000 or 200,000 or 300,000 bales, people get very excited. So in terms of production, I think uh, we've probably got about 20% of annual production of stocks at the moment. And, and the way the system season's going might end up with 24, 26% at the end of the season. That's middle of 21. And that's, uh, they're fairly well spread over all the micron categories from 38 through the 16, 15 micron. So they're not skewed in any one area. There's probably less cardings, uh, more carving wool. So we're going to end up uh, with, with 25, 26% of production of stock. That's, we haven't had that since the 1990s. So are we returning to the 1990s? I don't think so. I think Because I was thinking there's probably two parts to stock, isn't there? There's the first part is the build-up. So the market falls a dollar. It catches everyone by surprise and you get a lot of past in wool. So the next question is, okay, how, how do we, when do we recycle that wool? And I think one of the key things to recycling is... Uh, is farms cash flow and need to sell the stuff. That doesn't seem to be particularly high at the moment. And uh, we're having a good harvest. Stock prices are good. So I, I assume that some of that stock will be recycled into the market, but a lot of it won't be. So it's not going to come on a rush and a tear, in which case I don't see it as being a big problem. It only becomes a problem if it gets dumped on the market. Now, that's pretty good, um, good analysis there. There is a bit more to it, though, because normally we've got, amount of stock in the pipeline post the auction system have we got any handle on how that's looking is that has that held up or is it or has COVID had an impact on on stock inventories further downstream it is a pertinent point the feedback just suggests that the the brown stock is low crossbred stock is ample and that's a good point so the next question is well how much is that stock i haven't got a good answer for that uh, but if you assume that maybe there's a month's Let's say there's a month's worth of stock in the system. Well, that's 6% of your clip. If the uh, the supply chain fires up again, there's, you've got to say there's 6% gone straight away to restock the supply chain, which is a quarter of the stocks we have in Australia. Again, it's, it supports the view that, that, that the farmer stocks in Australia aren't going to be a big problem. Everybody's looking forward to next year for a whole lot of reasons. <laughs> you know, but 2020 behind us is uh, is is a 
is a big objective. What do you think are the big ticket items to keep looking out for next year that will impact on, on wool? Well, supply will, will continue its current trends through the middle of the year. And beyond that depends on rainfall in 2021. They'll soften because you just can't keep going broader. There's a limit to how broad you can go. At this stage, the other one might be a Chinese credit cycle. And uh, in uh, uh, the second half of next year, the back half of next year, um, that looks like it may have peaked. And that, and that has a reasonable relationship with commodity prices. Wool, wool is one of those. In financial market terms, that would become a headwind for the market. That might be offset if uh, Europe and North America can get COVID under control and start to get their demand going. So that, that's, that would be a thing that the supply chain would be really looking forward to in 2021. Talking about supply here, we know that the season has an impact on supply, but back in 1994 when we were uh, in the throes of uh, the glory days of, uh, of the wool industry in Adelaide, there was nearly 170 million sheep around. I mean, it almost beggars belief to think that we're down to where we are now in sheep numbers. Do you see any prospects of those numbers growing in in your area? And remembering we're in central Victoria, you're in southern New South Wales. So just looking at an overall view, do you think that there will be an appetite to grow the merino clip again in terms of sheep numbers? I think it's all about relative profitability and the shorthand way we look at that is relative prices. And you can sort of roll, roll a five-year rolling average of those to get an idea of what's likely to happen. But to answer your question, my guess is we'd settle down, settle at a new or lower level. We might pick up a little bit here and there. But the flock got to 2007 and steadied and stabilised. Did the same thing in South Africa. So um, that's one thing when you're looking at international commodity, that those prices that we see, say, for wool and, and meat, uh, are usually being seen by other farmers in New Zealand, South America, South Africa as well. And they t- they'll tend to often make similar decisions. So we've got the 2007, the flock settled down, got through that drought, 2006, 28, uh, settled down, and then we hit the last three years and we just, we've just gone down again. And uh, so my guess is uh, we probably steady up. We might pick up a little bit. Will, will there be a big rebound? Hard to see. You'd have to have a re- big rebound in wool price, merino wool price relative to crops and to meat. And sheep meat prices are going to hold pretty well because they're, to a large degree, they're a function of, like wool, uh, they're a function of, of low sheep numbers. That's part of the reason that their prices are so good. And wool prices are excellent in relation to other fibres. If you look at the, you know, the old cotton, the wool uh, to cotton ratios, got up to 10 it's back to six or seven now which is low it'll rise from here uh, in the 1980s uh, it was three to one was the was the standard it's higher now because it's just less sheep around but um, because there's less sheep sheep meat prices aren't going to fall so i i think they'd steady well look it's been terrific to uh, chat and we do talk relatively often and uh and i think now People who listen to Commodity Conversations and uh, follow Mercado will know, think so highly of you, Andrew, and I really appreciate your time. We never let someone go, though, without asking a left-field question. In 2021, would you rather be a wool seller or a wool buyer in the market? Being the buyer is far more difficult. Far more difficult. Being a wool seller, cost of capital is low, returns are relatively high. 
laws it rains. If it doesn't rain, it's tough. But uh, um, bare wool buyers, hard work. They're, they're smart and tough, the ones that have survived. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to one in Sydney the other week when we had that, those big movements of, uh, you know, we're moving 50 cents a day. <laughs> and I said to him, what, how are you dealing with that? He said, we're just trying to stay away from the top and stay away from the bottom. <laughs> Uh, but look, Woodsy, it's great. Um, it's unfortunate that we're not able to uh, to share a coffee as regular as what we used to in Adelaide, but I have fond memories. Mikado and I know our subscribers really appreciate your insights. Today, I think you've given us an, another example of, um, of why we regard you so highly. So thanks very much for coming on Commodity Conversations. Pleasure. Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much to Andrew and Robert for today's conversation. Let's hope to see more demand for fibre returning in 2021. I think we're all hanging out for a better year. And thank you for listening to Commodity Conversations and your continued support over the year. From the team at Mikado, we wish you all a very safe and happy Christmas. Thanks for listening to Commodity Conversations. This episode was brought to you by Cleavers Meats, audio production by David Myers.